So this morning, I'm going to wrap up Philippians. If I can find it. We'll be in Philippians 4, and we'll finish up there starting in verse 10. But first, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning so thankful that we can gather together another week and worship you. So thankful that we can just be together and fellowship one with another, Lord, and just dig into the truths of your word. I ask this morning that you just make your presence known to each and every one of us. Lord, quicken our hearts that we may understand and, and hear the things that you have to say to us each individually this morning through your word. I lift up our prayer request and ask that you just draw near unto them, Lord, each and every one. The circumstances that are in each life, Lord, you knew beforehand. We're going to see here this morning, Lord, that you knew way before we ever got to this point where we're at. We just ask that you would be with us, lead us, guide us, and direct us, comfort us in each circumstance that we're in. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 4, 10 through 23. Let me read it through it, and then we'll go back and kind of go through a little more in detail. Verse 10 says, But I rejoiced. Am I loud enough? Well, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I see the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epiphrates the things sent from you, and sweet-smelling aroma, and an acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I'm not going to read those last two verses. Contentment is our message for this morning. Contentment. Content, being content with where we're at in our walk with Christ. Being content with where he has us, with what he's given us. And, and, and being responsible to that. Okay? Contentment is not complacency. Okay? It's not complacency. Nor is it a false peace based on ignorance. The complacent believer 
is unconcerned about others while the contented believer wants to share their blessings with others. Contentment is not an escape from the battle, but rather an abiding peace and confidence in the midst of the battle. Think about that. If I am content with where God has me in my walk and in my growth, and, and I am being responsible to the light that He's given me, then I can have a peace in the midst of the circumstances that I'm in, and I can be content. Good stuff, isn't it? Paul names three spiritual resources that we're going to look at this morning that makes us adequate and will give us contentment. Okay? The first one is God's, is the overruling providence of God. The overruling providence of God. The Word of God clearly teaches the providential workings of God. In nature and in the lives of His people. The word providence comes from the Latin words pro, which means before, and video, meaning to see. Let's look back here at verse 10. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you care for me, has your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did, but you lacked opportunity. He, he, he said, I rejoice in God because before I ever knew that I would need this help. He set you in motion to give it to me. The same thing applies to you and I. He, he completely and is all-knowing, is he not? Therefore, the, the circumstances that comes up in our lives, way beforehand, he knows that they've been going to be placed there. And he also has made provision for, for his children to get through those circumstances. In contentment and with peace. Praise the Lord. God's providence simply means that God sees it beforehand. It is the working of God in advance to arrange the circumstances, listen, and situations in your life for the fulfilling of His purposes. We don't see them like that, do we? <laughs> a lot of times we don't see them like that. How many times has a set of circumstances come up in your life and you don't even think God knows about them? <laughs> Much less has arranged them for your well-being. I know I have many times. Or how, how many times have, have you come into a set of circumstances and you... And, and you <laughs> And, and, and you literally ask God, where did this come from? Almost question, did he know it was even going on? And then think, how in the world could he allow me to be here? Boy, we, we're messed up, aren't we? Because we're told that, that his providence, he knew before the foundation of the world that set of circumstances in each and every one of our lives is going 
going on and going to be there. And he's made provision to see us through it and in that we can have peace, we can grow, and we can be content in our walk. A good example of this in scriptures is in Genesis. Go read about Joseph in Genesis. And at the end of that, in, in chapter 50, he says these words. He said, but as for you, and he's talking to his brothers. He said, remember, do you know, remember what I'm talking about? Where, where uh, he, was, he was sent away as a baby? But as far as you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. God is going to take care of his children. The circumstances that he places in our lives are for our own good. As painful as they may be. As painful as they may be, he's got a plan. And it's to grow us. It's to make us more ready to meet him. It's to see our faith grow. It's, it's to, to, to be able to face a more serious set of circumstances later. Well, that makes sense. Wanted to hear that, didn't you? <laughs> Life is not a series of accidents. It's a series of appointments. It's not a series of, ac series of accidents. If it was, then God's providence would, wouldn't exist, would it? If it was a series of accidents, that would be saying that he didn't know it was going to happen. But it's not. It's a set of appointments. He is completely capable of, of, of getting us through each and every circumstance that we're appointed to go through. And he has promised, which we'll get to in a few minutes, to see us through them. Psalms 32.8 says, I will guide thee with mine eye. I will guide thee with mine eye. John 10, 4 says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. Now why, why should we be getting anxious about the circumstances we're in? If he puts his sheep out there, it says he goes before them. He, he clears the way. But, but time and time and time again, we walk up to a set of circumstances thinking we're alone, don't we? We've got to face it alone. We, we've got to be the one to, to get ourselves through the set of circumstances that we're in. When all we've got to do is, is be obedient and draw near to Him, seek and we shall find, knock and the door shall be answered. But we're hard-headed. We're hard-headed. Even though we've been through that lesson time and time again, it's still tough to learn, isn't it? The second, uh, second thing is his unfailing power. The unfailing power of God. Verse 11, it says this. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now, that, that word learned there, that word learned 
is through experience. He's learned through the experiences in his life and walking with God that, that whatever state he's in, he's to be content. I'm telling you, that is a huge principle that we should get a hold of. That, that we need to get a hold of. That, that God has a plan for our walk. He has, a, he has poured out a special measure of faith in each of our lives. And, and through the experiences, the trials and tribulations and circumstances of our lives, we're learning. Now we should be retaining. <laughs> we should be retaining that learning. But that learning... It's, it's a verb. It, it's an action. It's, it's going through trials. It's, it's, it's an experience in each set of circumstances that we're in. And he says here, he's, he's almost telling them, I, I, I've learned that God's taught me to have patience. Patience. You could, you, could, you could apply that in here. It says, not that I speak in regard to need... Why? Why is he not speaking to need? Because he knows that God has and will supply all his needs. For I have learned in whatever state I am. That means all states. That means in the good times. And that means in the bad times. He says, but I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. And what? Wait for God to move. Wait for God to move. He is all-powerful. He can and will do whatever He wills. And we must surrender to that because you see, in, in, in the midst of circumstances, we will tell God what to do, don't we? We want to suggest to Him what he ought to do. We want to tell him what we would do. And to the, and instead of completely surrendering and allowing him to carry through his perfect, perfect plan in our life. But he's all powerful. I mean, if you think about the life of Paul, think, think about the things that, that Paul was under and went up against. God just removed them. Removed the obstacles. But he says there again, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. It's important that we learn to be content with where God's got us. If, if we, are, if we are, are being responsible in our walk, and we're being obedient, and we, and we are living in God's will, then we need to be content. We need to be content and wait on Him to move in our life. Verse 12, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full 
and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Huge. He's saying, even in the low times, even when I feel the most conquered, even when I'm the most down and out, I know how to be full, and I know how to, I, I know how to abound. I know how to be thankful for the, for the mercies and, and, and what God has given me in this situation. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's in control. Is that our attitude? Is that our attitude? The word instructed there means initiated into secret. It was used by pagan religions with reference to inner secrets of their religion. Through trial and testing, Paul had been initiated. Just like you and I, through circumstances of trials and testings, we are being initiated into the secret. We are being grown into God's kingdom. We are being developed, so to speak. You know, it's amazing how we still, after years of some of us being saved and walking with Christ, how we feel like we should just already be there. We should have arrived, right? When we lose sight of what Paul's talking about right here, that, that we must go through different circumstances and trials and tribulations in our life to fulfill that plan in which God has for our life. To have to make us ready, to make us ready to meet Him. Like, we're like bread in the oven. You don't take the bread out of the oven until it quits rising and it turns a little bit brown, do you? We have to be baked. We, ha we have to be cooked. <laughs> we got to be made ready to eat. Let's go on to verse 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, we, we love to use that verse, don't we? But in verse 13, it is the power of Christ within him that gives him his spiritual contentment. He completely and wholly understands that through whatever set of circumstances, whatever set of trials, that Christ has the power completely and wholly to do whatever He wills. I think we lose focus of the power of Christ when we're in the midst of our trials and tribulations, don't you? I think sometimes we even doubt the power of Christ. To get us through those circumstances. Sometimes we even question them. The power of Christ. 
Now you may say, oh, well, I would never. But I challenge you to go back and think a little bit. But, but here in, in this verse that we so often used, Paul is saying that he understands and he completely gets that Christ has the power living inside of him to do whatever he wills for his glory. And Paul is willing to accept that whatever the cost. Is that our attitude? When we have that attitude, we can be content. We don't, have, we don't worry because we understand the power of Christ in us. We understand the power of Christ inside those trials. So there's no worry. It's all contentment and peace. And we're willing to march right on through however painful it may be in that set of trials. Paul depended on the power of Christ to work in his life. He depended on the power of Christ working in his life. The power of Christ living inside of you and me is adequate and sufficient for whatever demands this life may bring. Do you, do you feel like that? I know sometimes I, I don't. But the power of Christ inside of us is more than adequate and sufficient to meet the demands of your walk. Over in John 15, the same Jesus teaches the same thing himself when he talks about the vine and the tree. I challenge you to go back and reread that. But he says here, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can make it through anything, any set of circumstances that, that, that God has pre-seen, that his providence knows about, because he's going to see me through it, even in the jail cell. And there's peace. No worry. I'm content. Right where he's got me. The third thing is the unchanging promise of God. Verses 14 through 20 says this. It says, Nevertheless, you have done well <coughs> that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia... No church shared with me concerning giving or receiving but you only. They, they had financially supported him and his work. Okay? For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. In other words, he's seeing the, what God is doing in their hearts. And, and those fruits that are produced from what God is doing in them toward His ministry. 
Okay? Indeed, verse 18, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Now, isn't that what he says we are today? Just children? And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. He's, he's, he's kind of contrasting with it. He's saying, he's saying, I can see in you the workings of God. And through, through God working in you, He has met needs for me. And you need to understand that He's going to take care of you. He will take care of you. He compares them, right here, he compares them to three things. He's talking about three things. In verse 10 he said, he's, talk, he's, he's referring kind of to a budding tree or a flowering plant. Okay? When he says here, uh, back up here, when he talked to him in verse 10, he said, he said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now and last you care for me, your care for me has flourished. It has flourished. Think, think of a plant or a tree or a flower that buds. It, it, it's a picture of how we grow in our walk with Him or how we should grow in our walk with Him. You plant a seed. It germinates. Pokes up out of the ground. But the seed, the seed that was planted was God stirring your heart. Getting saved, you poked up out of the ground. Boy, it's a rocky start, isn't it? We're just a little bitty plant. And before long, we start growing a little bit. We start growing a little bit. We get a leaf on this side. And as we grow in our walk with Christ, other little branches come off until His work is complete and we've made a, turned into a beautiful flower. What happens after the flower gets through and it's pretty? Doesn't that, don't they fall off? Maybe that's the point when he takes us home. I don't know. I just like to think of it like that. But, but he's, he's comparing them here to the growth of, of, a, of a tree or a flower. The work that God did in them made them grow and turn into something pretty. Something that glorified God. The other thing is he, he talks about their investment. Their investment... And, and, and that's in verse 14 through 17 where he talks about their investment in his, mission, his, his ministry. And Paul sees in them that there's no, nobody else contributed to his ministry except these folks at Philippi. This church at Philippi. And, and, and without a shadow of a doubt, God, uh, Paul understands that 
without God working in that group at that church in Philippi, the fruits that they, that the, that they produced monetarily and sent to him wouldn't have happened. And he said, you invested in my ministry and God's going to invest in you. God has invested in you already. You ever think about it like God's invested in us? He's invested a lot. He put Jesus on the cross. And when He invests in you, He's not going to let you get away. The third comparison He makes to them is, is a sacrifice. A sacrifice. In verse 18, He says, Indeed, I have, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He's, he's given them an, uh, an example that they mean so much to God. He's trying to, to build them up a little bit here and tell them, you're important. You're a sweet-smelling aroma to him. Isn't that what we want is to be well-pleasing? When we understand that we're well-pleasing, we can feel that contentment. We don't have that worry or that anxiousness. When, when we are sure and, we, we, and our, we're right in our relationship with him, and know that we're, we're where we're supposed to be in our walk, man, that peace that comes to you should also nudge you and tell you that you're a sweet-smelling aroma to Him. Because when you're out of that right relationship, there is no peace. And you know it. The Holy Spirit's telling you inside, things aren't right. Things aren't right. That's when, that's when we should fall to our knees and and start getting busy. God has promised us. He has promised us to supply our needs. Every need will be met. Not our greeds. <laughs> but our needs. And I want you to make sure you understand this morning. Our needs usually are a lot less than what we think they are. We want to be comfortable. We want to, we, we want to be fat and happy and comfortable all the time. <clears throat> Most of the time, that's not what we need. It's not what I need. But he has promised to supply our needs. Listen to this. When the child of God is in the will of God, serving for the glory of God, then he will have every need met. When the child of God is in the will of God, serving for the glory of God, then he will have every need met. What a promise. What a promise. Therefore, there's no need to worry, is it? 
But instead, we should make sure that we're what? In the will of God? Serving for the glory of God. No pride whatsoever in our, in our heart. Because it, 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 that, those two things in pride can't coexist, can they? You can't have pride built up in you in, in, in any form or fashion and be, in, and be in the will of God serving for the glory of God. You'd be in the will of Scott serving for the glory of Scott. But that's what we should, that, that, that should be where we're at. That should be what we're, our motive. That should be our intent. That should be what we're seeking and checking ourselves on a daily basis to make sure that we stay right there. Because when we're there, when we're in the will of God, serving for the glory of God, every need, every need, you can't think of one that wouldn't be met. Good stuff, isn't it? Good stuff. Contentment comes from the adequate resources that we've that, that God's given us in His Word. His providence, His power, and His promise. Boy, I tell you, I, I was I was uh, at work the other night and I'd lost this wallet. And I, you, you know the emotions that, that go on when something like that. And then I, come, I came home uh, I don't even know when you go to work one day, Chad. You can get off the next day. It's, you don't know what day it is, but it's good. Hey, I'm not bad mouthing it. It's good. Works good. But anyway, I came home and and I, well during the night, I got a text message at some point from Justice that Tucker had gone on to greener pastures. He got in the road and got run over, and so. I knew I was gonna have to deal with that, and that was uh. Let me think just a second. I didn't know I'd lost my wallet at that point. That must have been Thursday morning. Anyway, so I come home. I get, I get Tucker and deal with that over at David's pasture, and I'm sleep, get up and find out I don't have my wallet. And so the next morning I come home from work and uh, first thing I do was of course Felicia and the kids already tore the house up and we'd gone through every vehicle and you know, mine's just racing with all this stuff. Who's trying to steal this or who can get a hold of that or you know, all this stuff and I'm I'm standing in David's pasture kicking grass and the phone rings and it's the nursing home and, I mean, literally, she said, this is Dr. So-and-so. I want to put Mary on hospital. And I was like, what? I was like, what? You know, I was, I was taken back. So the first thing that came to my mind, the first thing that came to my mind is what in the world have I done to deserve to get into these circumstances? I didn't have any of those attitudes that we just talked about right there. I didn't think about those three things. 
that we talked about this morning. My nature took me right to my old self. Poor pitiful me. And then I got to feeling sorry for myself. I've lost my wallet. Now I've got to go deal with this. What else can go wrong? You, you know what I'm talking about? I felt bad because now, I mean, not only does my wallet affect me, but the, she doesn't, I mean, it affects her. Everything we have is tied together. So, I mean, then I started feeling guilty for Mary. And then I started questioning how in the world am I going to handle all this? Don't we get on a pity trip quick? Amen. We get on a pity trip so quick, don't we? And so, of course, I didn't find the wallet. I get in the, I get in the Jeep. And I don't, David's gates do this. So I get out of the Jeep to open the gates and put it in neutral. And the Jeep rolls up and squishes me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm really frustrated. <laughs> So I push the Jeep back. And oh boy, I'm having me a fit down there. And I get in the Jeep to come home. And all of a sudden I get shaken about, you idiot. All these circumstances you're in right here at this moment, we're known about. And God has made provision to get you through them. What are you worried about? Why are you throwing a temper tantrum? Because my old nature still exists. Just like yours does. But thank God for the Holy Spirit living inside of us that will shake us. And say, hey, get up and act like a big boy. Get back on track. I got this under control. I'm in control, complete control. Walk beside me and I'll get you through this. Unscarred. We need it every now and then, don't we? And the Bible says we're supposed to rejoice in those trials. We're supposed to rejoice in those tribulations. We're supposed to rejoice in our circumstances. And, 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 and we, should re, we should have joy in our sufferings for what? Christ's sake. That's not much suffering in that little story I told you. But we should have, we should have joy in our sufferings for Christ's sake. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your providence. Thank you for your power and your promise. To see your children all the way through. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the trial or tribulation, you've known about it. You've got the power to get us through it, and you've promised to do so. We thank you and praise you for that. We ask that you would just continue to be with us. Lead us, guide us, and direct us, Lord. Let, let this church be honored and glory to you. Keep us, protect us, guide us, and direct us. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one here. These things, things we have in Jesus' name.
Amen.